Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Coming Home Network Presents, where we have great conversations about the kinds of questions that people wrestle with uh, when they're exploring the Catholic Church and wondering if they should become a part of it. I'm Matt Swaim, Outreach Manager for the Coming Home Network, and it's my privilege to help facilitate these conversations. If you're someone who's dealing like uh, with the issues like the ones we're looking at today, um, please come visit us at chnetwork.org. We have a ton of resources uh, tailored for you, and especially if you're looking for support from other people who are going through or who have been through these same kind of situations, definitely come check out our online community, and that is community.chnetwork.org. Dot org. And today we get to tackle a pitfall that I know that I fell into uh, when I was becoming Catholic, and that is the tendency to get so excited about the Catholic apologetic stuff that you're finding in the Bible that you start reading the Bible primarily as an apologetics text. Uh, but for those of us who had a love of Scripture instilled in us <clears throat> really from childhood, that's not how we learn to read the Bible, right? So uh, if you've gotten into that apologetic zone and you want to kind of reclaim some of that devotional fervor you had, you know, how do we sort of get some of that back, uh, you know, when it comes to the most important book in history? So I'm excited to welcome somebody today to talk about this who's done a ton of excellent work helping Catholics read the Bible and fall in love with it. She does conferences and podcasts. She has a ton of great Bible study books, uh, many of whom are through Ave Maria Press. You can find her website, uh, and there's all kinds of stuff there, biblestudyevangelista.com. And she also grew up Baptist, so that's useful to this conversation too. Sonia Corbett is with us. Sonia, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to to, um, to have you on for this for a number of reasons. Uh I encourage people to check out your Journey Home episode so they can figure out your path into the church. But if you could just sort of summarize it briefly, where you came from before becoming Catholic. I did come from the Southern Baptist Church, and I absolutely loved our little, we had a little country church, and it was uh, friendly and family-oriented, or so we thought. And then we experienced a couple of church splits, and my husband and I were both in leadership, and so we knew all the ins and outs of what was going on and the people involved. And I just, after the second one, I realized clearly that something is wrong at the foundation of how our churches are set up that they could just devastate a church, devastate a pastor and his family financially and in every other way, his reputation. Um, but also in a way, you know, that God could protect his people as well from that kind of thing. So I knew he had made better provisions because I knew my scriptures and I, and God had spent quite a bit of time forming me in submission to proper authority because I have what I call a father wound and I, I was pretty rebellious. And so I had been learning that lesson and then seeing it in my church seemed to confirm everything that I had been learning from God. I began to research Martin Luther to see if that church split was actually, if that's what it was, and if it was, if it was then was it legitimate? And is there ever a, a legitimate church split? And then I read him in his own words, and I realized, oh my goodness, he wasn't very holy, and that is what that was. It was a church split. And so then I had to start exploring Catholicism and try to figure out, can I tolerate what the church teaches? And that led me to a crisis point, I think, in my faith, which was, you know, surely, Lord, you are not asking me to be Catholic. I just <laughs> I just didn't think I could make that leap. But the more I studied and the more I came to uh, the truth the more I realized, as James said, for him who knows what to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. And mm -hmm. so I had to, I see it now as 
climbing up on the altar and just, you know, leaving it all there. And, and I walked into the church in that way and I just never looked back. It, It was, it, the church is the best gift that God has ever given me, bar none. It reordered all of my priorities with my family and everything. So it was, it was like, Leaving every, I thought in the beginning it was leaving everything behind, but what it really ended up being was receiving so much more. Everything was reordered and gathered in into this embrace, and so um, best thing I ever received from God. Yeah, it's like uh, trading in your ice cream cone for the entire Sunday bar, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, the whole bar. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, with that too, I mean, you and I have very similar experiences in that. Uh, you know, as I was a kid in a Nazarene church, it was a big church split that, you know, kind of really started me down the path of asking a lot of these questions. But for me, it was always like, what does, how does it measure up against this thing, right? How does it measure up against the Bible? Because those same people who were splitting, uh, right, and those same people who were coming uh, and button heads with one another were the same people who taught me to fall in love um, right, with, with God's word. And so, you know, for me, the crisis point was, you know, I don't know if I trust their leadership but I know enough to trust this book, right? right? And I'm wondering, like, what were some of the things that were instilled in you that made you trust God's word? Whatever else was going on in, like, the personal politics of the churches you were part of, what made you think at least this Bible is trustworthy? Oh, wow. Um, well, I think the main thing was I just, I encountered God there. Every well, not every day, but regularly, I, I approached him every day, and I encountered him there frequently. And when I just when I I did the same thing, I, I sort of looked around and I thought, well, these people are holy, and they're saying one thing, and those people are holy, and they're saying another. They're interpreting the very same scripture in a different way, and then I see it differently. So, you know, is the Holy Spirit schizophrenic? And no, of course he's not. He, there is one answer. Who has it? And that's where I really started to dig. And the main, the main thing besides that, that I knew that there had to be one answer um, on certain things, you know. But the other thing that really pulled me in was my knowledge of the Old Testament tabernacle, because I started, I started to draw the correlations between the pieces of the Old Testament tabernacle that were supposed to remain perpetual, God said, and the sacraments of the church and the liturgy of the church. And when I started to make those connections, I realized that the Catholic church is the only church on the face of the earth that retains every single element of that tabernacle the way God commanded. And so that sort of, that pushed me in, but but it was still the scriptures. And because it was so consistent because God, you know, I I was taught that the Old Testament is obsolete, you know, that God had made a mistake and he had to correct it with the church, you know. But what I saw instead was that God was very consistent from the beginning all the way through the New Testament into the church, through the Catholic Church. And so that just solidified my trust in the scriptures and my trust in God's leadership into the Catholic Church. So it was it was the Bible as it is for so many of us, but it was the consistency all the way through that really did it for me. I just thought, oh my gosh, so God, <laughs> so God meant it to be like that from the beginning, and He just built on the skeleton of the old, and now look, now it's full of grace, and now we have, you know, it's infused with all this life. So it was still the yeah. Bible all the way. 
and I want to get into that in a minute because it was all those things that I'd read and had no clue what they meant later on that once yes. I started like discovering the Catholic Church, I was like, oh, so that's what that means. But but for me, I mean, it, it, was, it was even more elemental than that, you know, because as a kid, I remember that we used to have like assembly in Sunday school before we split off into grade levels. And uh, Miss Miriam would get up with like the poster boards and she had a, a Bible verse that started with every single ladder of the Bible. Uh, and I still remember some of those, right? And we would go wow. through and she'd like shift them and we'd, we'd all recite them together. And some of those still stuck with me. B was be doers of the word and not hearers only. Oh, remember that one. Um, M was may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Um, and you got T, trust in the Lord with all your heart from Proverbs and, and all those. And What a great you know, was, idea. Yeah. So steal that if you want to. Um, I, I, I was also... I involved in Bible quizzing as a Nazarene kid. Uh, and they had like two levels of Bible quizzing. So they had like the little kids where you had like this box and it was uh, each, you had four, it was like a file folder box. And in the box, there were four letters. And so someone would stand up at the podium and they would give you a multiple choice question, A, B, C, or D. And everybody's box is facing that way, so nobody can see what anybody else is pulling out. You pull out the letter that you think matches, and they go through and they check and see who's got it. And uh, and that was that. But then when I got older, we had quick recall, which was where you sit on buzzers. And if you answer the question before, or if you jump before the question's full, you got to complete the question. (laughs) And And then the answer, um, yeah. Yes, sir. I know a lot of people did sword drills and stuff. I mean, did you have yeah. any kind of like, I mean, did you go to Bible school and like have certain yes. verses memorized because you sang them to music or? Yes, all of that, all of that. And I think that's one of the things that we're really missing in the Catholic church. And one of the things that I've had to be very uh, deliberate about with my own children is trying, how do I get these Bible verses in them so that they can recall them in those moments, you know, and, and you know, as well as I do that when you get into certain situations that God just brings that stuff back to you. It is, it's part of who you are. It's shocking. It's It's like in your wiring. I know. And, and, and it should be, it totally should be. It's God's word to us. It's so, so important. I mean, that's why my whole ministry is dedicated to that because it is the word of God that changes us and changing us changes the world. You ever write in your Bible? Oh my gosh. Yeah. People see it and they're like, I didn't know I could do that. I'm like, you, you have to do it. What do you mean? You're never going to remember. Yeah. I I actually Um, love that a lot. So when I worked at family Christian store through high school into college, we actually sold the special highlighters that would not bleed through, you know, the thin, super thin pages of your, I'm sure you can still get those on like Amazon. or You can absolutely. Yes. Um, so you, you just to set the record straight, like any Catholic who's worried about that right now, it's not blasphemous to underline Bible verses. No. And in fact, it's part of how you commit it to memory. So I encourage people. I mean, I write in all of my books, actually, because I don't want to forget stuff. So I and it's it's such a comfort to me to to, you know, move the pages and see to see all that. It's your it's your prayer. It's part of your prayer. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I I have some of mine dated, especially from when I was in high school and college, you know, dates mm. next to like when a, something jumped out to me. Um, I think it's such an important practice. And it kind of gets back to, you know, the those of us who come from Protestant backgrounds, like that's how we use the Bible. You know, we memorized it's it. It's a very we, nitty gritty kind of 
earthy yeah. thing. I mean, we're not, yeah, yeah. it's not, it's, it is precious, but it's precious in the way that, that we actually use it. It's not just a pretty on the shelf. It's something that we really, you know, that's, that's part of what I try to do for people is, is get them in the scriptures so often so that it becomes a necessity. And once it's a necessity, you almost have to write in it because, you know, you get such insights and you get leadership and guidance and, and help. And I even to this day, I even when I when I can't remember exactly the verse, but I know the book, I can leaf through the pages and know what it looks like because of how I've noted it. <laughs> and I know that I'm there when I, re- when I when I see it, you know. So yeah, it's it's yeah, we, so we joked, it's important. Yeah, we joked recently because Marcus has got his preacher's Bible that he's kept on you know the desk for the journey home for years, and he he stitched the apocrypha, the Deuterocanonicals, into the back of it because you know you open a Bible <laughs> and you're used to seeing it at a certain point position on like a certain side of the you know page, and you know it's just it's just how it is. But that's funny. Um, so with all that as a backdrop. Uh, and again, I know that many of our members who are watching this, you know, this is this is their experience of the Bible because they come from, you know, Baptist or non-denominational, or in my case, you know, Wesleyan holiness traditions. And this is this is the most important thing you can ever read, and you better do it every day. Yes. Uh, but when you started to um, discover kind of like the apologetics nuggets, as it were, um, how did that change the way that you saw the Bible once you started seeing things like? John six suddenly means a whole lot more than I ever thought it did. Or like this stuff about the, all the stuff in Leviticus about the building of the tabernacle, which seems like, you know, weird engineering data, like suddenly actually means a whole lot more than I ever thought it did. Like, what did that do to change the way you looked at the scriptures? Well, I'm not sure that it really did for me because at that point it was such a necessity for me on a daily basis I saw it as, I always had seen it as the key, but suddenly I saw that it there was so much more to it than even I imagined. And I already had this deep respect for it, as most of us do. We grow up with that because it's instilled in us. And that's a great gift. But suddenly it took on, it took on this, Gosh, you know how sometimes you're in prayer and God just overwhelms you with his isness <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my gosh, he's way bigger than I, we kind of put everything in these little boxes because it's, it helps us to understand things and that's not a bad thing. But when God gives you a, a glimpse of how big he is, that's kind of, that was the change that I saw in the Bible because suddenly I thought, oh my goodness, this has to do with far more. As much as I am in this thing every day, there was so much there that I hadn't seen and the connections that I hadn't made yet. And I knew that there were more. There's always, always more with God. And so it just, it took on an importance that even with all my respect and love for it, it hadn't had to that point. And so it made it all the more important for me to cling to his word every day because that's what led me to the church. So it just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It could it have been more important. I think it, it became more important. I don't know how, but it did. It was just so much more. It was vital and it is still, it's vital to understand the truth of who God is and who we are 
but the scope of it, it was, it became far bigger than I imagined. Yeah, that's a hard thing to explain to um, some of our Protestant relatives who did not come on this journey with us, uh, who think that like now that we're Catholic, that the, like the Bible is taking like a lower place. I have like mm -hmm. a higher view of Scripture than I ever conceived was imaginable <laughs> as a sola scriptura Protestant. It's crazy. Yes. Um, but I'm wondering if there are any like specific passages that you remember, like when the light bulb came on for you, where you had that kind of moment where you realized that there was a Catholic reality behind this that was like... Like you've been re like even maybe even some passages you loved your whole life, but then it like clicked for you like this. This fits in a very specific and like stunning way within the Catholic world. It was the whole Old Testament. I suddenly because I said pick one, Sonia. Come on, it's, I know, I know, but I, I can't. I can't. I, okay, then then the Tabernacle. I would say that because okay. because when when I started to see that it was more than just this this old thing that didn't work out. When I realized, because, you know, we tend to have this attitude toward the Israelites, those stupid Israelites. They never did what God wanted them to do. But in fact, what happened was they did exactly what God said. They preserved the entire, the, the structure of worship and liturgy and relationship with God. They preserved it for thousands and thousands of years for us. I remember asking Jesus, I said, you know, if it's true that the Old Testament is obsolete, if the Old Te Covenant, as Hebrews says, is obsolete, what does that mean? What does that mean exactly? And he, he said to me, it is obsolete in the same way that my body is obsolete. I came and and took a body to myself. There was nothing wrong with it. It did exactly what it was intended to do. I sacrificed it and I it died and it rose again in transformation and lives still. And it's the same way with the Old Testament. It died because it fulfilled everything that God meant for it to. The Israelites protected and defended and preserved every detail of those instructions of the Old Testament. And they did so in a way that makes us, we're able to see that it's the foundation of the Catholic Church and its liturgy and worship. So the tabernacle then, all of that, the whole Old Testament, it wasn't just something that was set aside. It was the foundation of everything that we do now. And the Israelites did exactly what God intended for them to do. They they obeyed in every detail. I mean, you know, they fell away some, but they preserved it for us. And now we can go back and look at that. And when I saw when I saw that, the consistency, I had this deep respect for God's people, the Israelites and the Jewish people, because they they guarded all of that for us so that we can see how it all works into the big picture now. Nothing is lost. It all did exactly what God intended for it to do. And there's nothing wrong with it. There, ne there never was. It wasn't something that was, you know, there was some, uh, it, it needed to be fixed. It did exactly what God intended for it to do. And now we have it as the foundation. It's the skeleton, we could say, of the church's practice and liturgy and all of the teachings, everything. It's all right there. That The scope of that was just, it was so humbling. I'm like, oh my gosh. I just had this really deep respect for the Israelites from that point, or the Jewish people from that point, that I hadn't ever had before. 
Yeah, I, I hear you. And uh, I, I I mentioned that this was not going to be like a purely apologetics thing, right? This is trying to get past like getting stuck on just the apologetics. Sure. Part. But like even that apologetics point, I think, um, really has some weight. To, like there's things that I read differently. There's things that, that to me show forth the Catholic Church that I would have read past. And one of them is stuff that we heard recently on a Sunday in the season of Lent. And it was a second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Paul is talking about, don't get too excited about, you know, your place uh, in the kingdom of God, because, you know, you could you could mess up just like the Israelites messed up before you. So that's how yeah. I had read 1 Corinthians 10. Like, you know, all these people, they were baptized into Moses and they had spiritual food and drank the spiritual drink, but God was not pleased with most of them and they were struck down in the desert. I thought that the meaning of that passage is, don't get too high and mighty if you think that you're living a good Christian walk because the Israelites thought that they had a relationship with God and they got messed up. I missed the whole backdrop of this whole thing. So Paul is saying, you guys believe in baptism. Well, these Israelites are believed in, they, they were baptized into Moses. You guys receive spiritual food and drink in Holy Communion in the Eucharist. These guys receive spiritual drink. What makes you think that just because you have baptism in the Eucharist that you're invincible to ever falling away or making mistakes. Don't get too mm-hmm. cocky about that. Like there's a sacramental backdrop there that I would would have been completely invisible to me. Um, yeah, that my whole last book was about that entire thing, yes. Okay. Well, I'm sorry I stole all that thunder. No, not at all. <laughs> no, but I, um, I, I'm just saying I understand completely because, yeah, you, you just read everything so differently. And it's meant to be that way. That's the other thing that I think I would I would emphasize. You know, we're not meant to just leave behind everything that we knew as Protestants. It's it's a, a an edifice, a building. God is building on the foundation of what came before. And he's integrating all of that. We don't have to leave it behind and we shouldn't. And that leads to what do we do with the Bible on a daily basis? We can't just leave it behind for the the excitement of the apologetics as fun as that is that's not what the that's not what god is calling us to and that's not what we learned so we can't leave that behind that daily walk with god in the scriptures we we have to at some point make the turn and come back to that daily infusion of his word into our relationships and circumstances or else we have lost the whole point of him bringing us to the church yeah, so here's how that one manifested in my world. Like, here's here's how I started falling into that trap is that, you know, you start to learn all these things, you know, Matthew 16, 18, and all the stuff about mm-hmm. Peter and the nuances and how the early church understood this. And um, you you read uh, John 6 and all the lights pop on and, and all the other famous apologetics texts. Um, uh, even something like John three sixteen, you suddenly realize it's about baptism, being born of water and the spirit. Mm-hmm. Hey, hundred of this. And then you start listening to Jimmy Aiken and Tim Staples and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like 5,000 more things that I'd never noticed before. And I think for me, what, what happened is you're all, you're always angrier at people who are stupid in a way that you used to be stupid, <laughs> right? You're like, you're always, I mean, that's an oversimplification. You're always angry. Like you feel like certain people withheld information from you when in fact, None of us knew these things in our previous right. world. So, you know, I, I wanted to just grab every single one of these and go find everybody I knew who was in a place that I used to be in and just start hitting them with it. And, yes. and the Bible, to me, I, it, it turned into a weapon 
uh, yes. Sonia, and that's not how what I that's not how I grew up to see the Bible was as a weapon. Um, so well, I don't know. I was kind of taught that. Well, I mean, it's a sword, the sword of the spirit, yeah. but <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. even an evangelistic weapon, you know, where you confront people who are lost and and you you bring them to the truth, you know. So there was an element of that for me, um, even as a Protestant. But but I also felt betrayed as I came into the church. Mm-hmm. I just thought, where where why did my professors not tell me any of this church history? Why did or the writings of the church fathers, the anti Nicene fathers? I mean, why did no one tell me any of this? And I did. I felt very betrayed. I, and it was a difficult sort of grieving process for me. But now I understand it's the same principle. God is building. He's building an edifice. He's building a temple. He's building a building. And he's building on what came before for each of us. So we, we as fun as the apologetic stuff is, we can't stop there. You know, that can be our, our study and, and the, in, the intense parts of Bible study for us throughout the year, but there still has to be that daily walk with God and that, that encounter with him in the Bible every day. Yeah. And, uh, the church offers us a lot of ways to do that. So that's what I kind of want to focus on here. Because, uh, again, we've got a lot of people who are going to be watching this who are so excited about all the apologetic stuff and want to go and show it to all these people who are not yet where they are, right? I mean, that's the trick of it, is that mm-hmm. God used a lot of things to get me to the point where I could see John 6 for what it was, right? If somebody, sure. some Catholic walks in the room when I'm in fourth grade and says, hey, this is what John 6 means, I'd be like, that's not what the pastor says. You know, so, like, you know, I mean, to get back to that, you know, kind of childlike love for scripture, that, that, that daily reading, like what are some of the things that the church offers us uh, in her 2000 year tradition and even before to help us really read the Bible as a devotional text? The main and most important thing is the daily readings. And when I came to that realization that the Catholic church offers us a schedule of readings every single day, which means God is speaking to us every single day. The whole church of which I am a part, and so I have a duty to listen to him every day. And I'm listening to the same scriptures that you're listening to, but you're going to get something different than I got. But it's the same scriptures for the whole church in the whole world. And so that God can take one passage that we're all reading and speak to every single one of us about our relationships and our circumstances, that is spectacularly miraculous. We have a duty to listen to it because God is guiding his whole church. That's the Holy Spirit's voice to every single one of us so that we know what we're supposed to be doing in our lives and in the world. And because we don't take it as seriously as we should, because it is God's daily word to us, we don't know what to do. And there's a a fabulous view of Mary in this way. Both Pope Benedict and Pope uh, Francis, they called Mary, they talked about Mary's holiness. And they said, uh, Mary's the mother of prayer, but she's also the mother of listening. And the, they talk about her holiness as being based on her hearing the word of God through the lens of her relationships and her circumstances. 
And that's exactly what God is calling us to do every single day through those readings. She heard the word of God because she had that practice and that discipline. We're supposed to have that practice and discipline. And in fact, that's what's going to make us holy. That's what that's what her holiness consisted of. And if that's true, then we can do that, every one of us. And she's calling us to that daily, that daily encounter with God in the scriptures. And the whole church calls us to it. And that means the Holy Spirit is calling us to it. We have to get back, not to, and maybe a devotional sort of word is not completely accurate. It's more, what are my marching orders? What am I, what am I supposed to be focusing on in my relationships and circumstances? Because if we're not being transformed on a daily basis, through the word of God. The world is not going to be transformed through the word of God. And this is the gift that we as former Protestants give to the Catholic Church is this daily devotional practice that they are just coming to. And we need it. We know we need it because the Holy Spirit provides it to us every single day. So that is the main and most important way that we need to get back to that devotional view of the scriptures because it is God's voice to us. He gives it to us every single day. And if we're not listening, then we're not hearing what he wants to do in us, in our families, in our parishes, in our church, and in the whole world. We're not listening. Yeah, it's the most basic way uh, that I was taught even as a Protestant, like, what does God want from me? I, I can't seem to hear God speaking in my life. Well, there's this thing, and if you read it, he will speak to you in it, right? Like, it's literally the word of God. But, like, I I, I really love that image of, of Mary for so many reasons, because what does she do at the Annunciation, right? She hears the good news, right? Um, she receives the word, and then the word Incarnate. made flesh, quite literally, right? Yes. And then she bears it forth, Um to the whole world. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's like, that's, that's us. That's what that's the us. Christian duty is. I mean, that's basically Christianity in a nutshell is, is to, to live like that. And that word is not arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. We don't go to the scriptures anymore and just open it up and start reading. We, we listen to his voice to the whole church through the daily readings. There is a reason why he gives us those. And so it doesn't depend on us and our independence and our our individuality and our personal preference anymore. It depends on what he's saying to the church. <laughs> and so we have that schedule of readings, and it's very important that we're listening to him. So not it, it, it's also important that we're doing Bible study, but it's almost more important that we're listening to him every day through those readings, because that's his voice to the whole church. It's the Holy Spirit saying, this is where I want you to focus today in yourself, in your family, in your workplace, in the church, in the world. This is what I'm doing. What is my purpose? What does God want from me today? Well, it's right there. That's what he wants. And it's the same for all of us because we're all one. Yeah. Uh, I I have a, a weird question for you. Um, you didn't work in the Christian bookstore industry like I did. Well, maybe you did. I don't know if you ever moonlighted I didn't. At, a, at a Baptist bookstore or Berean or anything like that. No, uh, I, I wrote I, that stuff, but I didn't work in the... So I worked at Family Christian Store for a number of years, and we had, like, our whole Bible section was, like, it was massive. We had, like, every kind of study Bible you could possibly, like, the teen study mm -hmm. Bible, the junior high study Bible... <laughs> the junior high girls study Bible and the junior high boys study Bible, military Bible, police officers Bible, yes. doctors and nurses Bible, all of it. <laughs> um, 
they had one called, and maybe you remember this one, uh, called the Rainbow Study Bible. Do you remember this one? No, never heard of that. So Rainbow came color-coded. And Ah. you got like this guide in the back of the Bible. It was like all the blue verses were any verses that related to like fear, right? Ah. Or uh, all the yellow verses were anything related to grief, um, you know, and and so that no matter what was going on in your life, you could have some go-to verses that address your particular situation. Sure. Um, And some of us did that too, like writing it out on note cards, like um, Mm -hmm. even having like, a stack of cards like if this is my go-to next time I'm experiencing doubt or this is my yes. go-to next time I'm Thanksgiving. I want this first to come out of me. Um, that's okay to do as Catholics, right? Absolutely. And and that's part of that's part of my work, you know, personally is to to help Catholics, first of all, know that those are in the Bible. <laughs> God speaks to your grief. He speaks to your fear. He speaks to all of the situations that you're in. So, yes, we have to have that that arsenal of scriptures. We have to have that. But it's even it's even more shocking that God will speak to that situation that I'm in and that relationship that I'm in every day. So we need both. It's not either or, it's both. We have to have both. And and I think for Catholics, they don't even realize that that stuff is in the Bible. And so we, this is the great gift that we as converts are giving to the Catholic Church is that knowledge of the arsenal, the knowledge of the body of, of scriptures that we can use to help us in the difficulties that we're experiencing. And then you add, well, you don't add, you add that to your daily your daily walk with God, listening to the Holy Spirit every single day through the readings. If you have both of those, you're invincible in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. So, uh, Sonia, I guess my question would then be, let's say you've got somebody listening right now um, who's either on their way into the church or has been recently received into the church. And they had all these things that you and I have been talking about, but then they got stuck in the apologetics rut. And like the only thing they can do every time they read their book, the, the Bible and they hear the Sunday gospel or whatever, like, aha, I'm going to use that next time I get in an argument. <laughs> like, you know, this, if you get stuck in that world of, of just purely seeing it as a text to help prove you right in an argument against people who used to believe like you, um, what would you say to maybe like get somebody out of that rut and back into kind of the heart of what the scriptures are? I would say God's heart for each of us is that transformation it's not, you know, we we come to the Catholic Church with this evangelistic heart and mind, which is a, a great thing. But if we're not transformed ourselves, it's just a clanging symbol. It's just noise. And that means that we have to be in the scriptures and listening to the Holy Spirit every single day because he cares about our transformation. Mary is the perfect example of that. He wants us to incarnate that word so that we can we can give it back to the world in a way that is not a fight. You know, we we want to take the scriptures, like you said, and use it on people. And yet that's not what changes people. That's not what changes the world. You can say all of the stuff that you know, but it's not about what you know. It's about who you are. 
It's not about what we know. It's about who we are. And who we are is transformed in that daily walk with God through the daily readings. It is so important, imperative. It is imperative that we are listening to Him every single day because those sacraments then infuse us with that grace that we need to have those conversations with people so that they're not a battle. You know, we're not battling our brothers and sisters. We, we're supposed to be loving them. And we don't want to turn into those Bible-thumping Protestants that we were. You know, we want to come, we want to become infused with the grace of the sacraments and the church. And we can't do that if we're not being transformed on a daily basis. It all comes back to that daily transformation, that daily walk with the scriptures, that daily meditation, that daily devotion. We got to be listening every single day. It's so important. So do the, all of the apologetics because that's fun. And we want to have the tools to explain and give a reason for our hope. But it's even more important that the people that we're trying to evangelize see the change in us that the church has wrought through the sacraments and her liturgy. If they can't see that, then nothing we say is going to matter. It's about who we are and not what we know. Yeah. I'm reminded of uh, John Henry Newman, St. John Henry Newman, convert. Um, and he, his famous fragrance prayer. And at the end of it, he says, make me preach thee without preaching, not by words, but by my example and the catching force, the sympathetic yes. influence of what I do. And this is the kicker, right? It's exactly what you're saying. By my visible resemblance to thy saints, all right? And the evident fullness of the love which my heart bears to thee. You know, you're right. The apologetic stuff is a blast. Like, Every day, like I find something else, I'm like, holy cow, has this been in my Bible my whole life? How did I miss this? Um, but nobody's going to listen to me unless I bear some sort of resemblance to the saints. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to yep. care about this thing that I found. Uh, so, so that's hugely important and a good word. Well, other Catholics who are, who are converts will, you know, but, but then we're preaching to one another. And instead, it has to come from who we are. I, I really struggled with that a lot when I came into the church because of what I do, you know, it's, it's Bible study all the time. And I love that, but I kept having people say to me, Sonia, it's not about what, you know, the information is fabulous. Yes, but it's not about that. We, we listen to you because of you. And that bugged me a lot in the beginning. You know, I was like, Lord, I worked really hard on this knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah, It's not about me. (laughs) It's about what this cool stuff, you know, and he, and he kept sending that to me and I'm just, I'm like, all right, all right, I get it. It really is about our holiness. And people, they sense it. Even if they they can't articulate it, they sense it. That change, that transformation, that, that Holy Spirit charism, they sense it when just in our being, you know, not in what we say necessarily, but in our who we are. And so we have to be listening to Him on a daily basis. I mean, it, it's to me, it would be an insult to God to know that he's speaking every single day and we're just walking around doing, you know, yeah, but I love this apologetic stuff so much, you know, and yet the whole time he's speaking in our ear and we're just, we're oblivious because we just have this, we have this, and it's a good thing, but it's sacrificing the best for the, the good. And we don't want to do that. Yeah. What if God was trying to say something to me about how to like, heal a relationship and i'm fixated on how to like, exactly. refute the calvinists like i refuting the calvinists is important don't get me wrong <laughs> right but like maybe my life needs some work too in the process um yes and but, i think that is exact that's exactly what i've been trying to say we 
we have to focus on ourselves. God is not interested in what we can say to other people because because he deals with us, each of us. He comes to us first. Mary shows us we have to receive that from him first in order to give it back. It can't become incarnate in us in this living way unless we're truly listening, observing, verbalizing, and entrusting with him. Love the word the way she loves the word. She shows us how, and we got to be doing it on a daily basis. She was doing it on a daily basis, and that's why when she was praying for the Messiah, God answered her prayer with her. And she knew exactly how to do that. So when our heart is for the people that we have left behind and we want to go back and get them, we don't know how to do that unless we're listening to him every single day because he will tell us the angle to take or the relationship to heal and the way to do that. And if we're not listening, we're not going to know. Yeah. It's also, you know, Mary's immersion in the word is why when you know, the Magnificat happens and she meets Elizabeth. What comes out of her sounds an awful lot like the song of Hannah in First yes. Samuel, right? Because she's living and in, in marinating in that all the time. So absolutely, yeah, this, is, this is great stuff, Sonia. I wish we had like a lot more time to talk about this because I get fired up about this sort of thing. I do too. But I want to make sure that people know how to find some of the resources that you've got. So if you could just steer people in that direction before we let you go. All right. Everything that I'm doing is on my website, BibleStudyEvangelista.com, or just search my name. I've, I've had to pull back from social media uh, because I got blocked, actually, on Facebook, which also blocked me on Instagram. So my stuff is still there, but I'm, I'm actually not engaging there. So everything that I'm doing is on my website. Um, but they're my podcasts, my TV series, my, my books and studies. All of that stuff is right there. My Journey Home episode, all of that is on my website. So that's where to find me. Very cool. And uh, don't be surprised if you get some extra Baptists coming and knocking on your door from our members. Our Baptists I hear from them all the time. All the time. You guys are doing such, such great work. Yes. Thank you. It's fun. It's a lot it of fun. fun. And uh, But again, it comes with its challenges, which is why we're always trying to talk to people who've been there, done that, and... Uh, bought the t-shirt and can hopefully help some of our people who are in the process right now. If that's you, by the way, listening uh, or watching and you want some support on your journey, no matter where you happen to be along the continuum, um, we are hopefully a low pressure, uh, nice group of people. Uh, chnetwork.org is where you can find all the resources that we have, including again, Sonia's uh, journey home episode and more. I think she's done a couple of deep in scripture episodes for us too, but you can also plug into our online community, which is community.chnetwork.org. That's a social network run by us. We will not boot Sonia from it because she like, you know, posted something that somebody thought was a Russian meme. I don't know why she got booted. <laughs> I have no idea, but um, it's a very, very friendly and welcoming community, which is community.chnetwork.org. Sonia, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you. Thank you, Matt. It's totally my privilege. All right. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Coming Home Presents.